Welcome to Ideas, Ideas or High podcast, where we share creative aha idea moments from entrepreneurs who are successfully navigating the business world. While also deep diving into creativity and the value it brings to our lives. I'm your host, Mary Latree. And I'm Yoshi. Let's chop it up. I feel like I just woke up again. Um, Won't you go ahead and introduce yourselves, co-hosts? Go ahead, introduce yourself. All right, cool. So yeah, my name is Chacha, and I'm based. <laughs> I'm the base god. My name is Kiosha, and I am a little bit of. I'm just a. Um, I don't. I wasn't prepared for this. It's <laughs> all good. Girl. yeah my name's Kyosha. i appreciate canvas i have appreciation for plant medicine um being connected to community and really using ex- experience i feel like i i know that there's this quote and it's like experience is worth more than an ounce of experience is worth more than a pint of advice and so i trust that i trust the experiences that I have, I trust the value of others sharing their experiences and and the value of personal stories and journeys. And so that is sort of the everything of how I like to show up in the world and connect. I love that. I had never heard that before. Can you repeat that one more time? The quote? What? Girl, that was off the cuff. It's recorded. (laughs) What? You, that was off the cuff? Oh my gosh. I love it. so you're basically the experience is is stronger than trying to take someone's advice. Whoa, the a pint of advice. I mean, an ounce of experience is worth more than a, than a pint of advice. You know. Yeah. I love a good ounce, and I trust my experience. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. There is a lesson and, to be learned in everything. Yeah, and everybody's on a journey, and and we all have things that we pick up on and along the that we can pick up on along the way and take with us, and you know, roads we cross, and it's just a beautiful kind of once you once I think once you really get into that that path and that journey and find your or even you you might not even really find uh, you might still be in pursuit of the thing that makes you feel most aligned with you know the the your real solid truth of who you are mm. but at the same time everything that you encounter along the way is so valuable the journey is so so fundamental to like just being able to grow and change and and see the world in a new way i can't agree more i can't agree more um like the world somebody told me the the world is is our biggest teacher like we're in the biggest classroom just living every day trying to figure shit out (laughs) yeah it's a big classroom but I like to get real nitty gritty with it, okay? Um, this is a <laughs> warning, okay? Stop me if I get too nitty or too nope. gritty. I like to get really <laughs> what? Bring it. We, we take curse words. We take we take it all. We uh, no holds bar. Go for it. Right. Okay. So I just it, it's one thing for you to be in the classroom of life, right? But I think once once you're in that classroom, you're already bringing things with you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the value of being in the classroom comes from taking it, I think, on my journey, my journey has been taking a step back and looking at, <clears throat> well, what is defining my experience in the classroom? You know, mm-hmm. um, what type of education do I want? What type of education am I getting? You know, what's the framework for the way that I can move in this space? Because I think that's what really defines a classroom is there's a way that you can move. There are rules, they can get broken and you can have a miserable experience, but there are ways that you can move and ways that you can, you know, uh, really ascend and elevate your experience, right? And I feel like 
that's the thing is like sitting in the classroom to this very day and this and then now we're talking about cannabis because whoo so many things I mean the classroom you know is is an interesting space when you talk about the war on drugs and all these things that are a part of the story of cannabis in America right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but before you get there while you're sitting in the classroom and we're talking about our relationship with our creativity today right Mm -hmm. and our imagination yep yep our relationship with our creativity relationship with our imagination and when you sit down in that classroom chair and the teacher starts talking nobody really says to you okay when you sit down and this person this 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 day starts to take motion your imagination is still going to be completely functional (laughs) (laughs) Like your imagination's still gonna be going. You yes, 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 it's there. But depending on your on your journey to war, your imagination, your relationship with with your imagination might be, you know, uh, it might be a little bit a little bit worn out, or it might be under under undergrown. What's that? There's a word. It might underdeveloped just, or under underdeveloped. But I think it's also something that I necessarily might maybe some people associate imagination with being a kid and you don't never want to look at yourself as being childish or a kid. But that's exactly what sometimes we need to do is you have to look at things through the lens of a kid and that that yearning to just learn and figure stuff out without fear of failing. And letting that imagination just soar. <clears throat> Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think our imagination is associated with things that are childlike, but mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-hmm. Our imagination is is it's it's limitless. It's the same. Your imagination is really in this day and age is no different than your cash flow. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like abundance. If, you, if you're talking and there's so many different and 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 then it expands beyond that once you start talking about you know being able to to imagine yourself having your dreams come true or whatever mm. right you use your that's an imagination that's an exercise for your imagination um so there is the real possibility that like you know I think adults have more of a responsibility to use their imagination than kids do, you know, because kids are like, they, when you look at certain schools of, of thought, and this is where, you know, being in the classroom, what classroom are you in? You know, when you uh-huh. sit into, in, 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 a, in a Waldorf classroom, um, they don't consider you really ready to learn until you're seven years old. Before that, you're in this sort of realm of, nothing but the desire for experience or play that's it all you're supposed to do from one to seven is play Mm, that makes sense and then once you get to seven you start to get to compulsory education but in Waldorf schools they start with engaging your imagination and information at the same time for example in a Waldorf classroom once you reach past the age of seven when they feel like you're ready to learn then you learn each day starting with a story the whole day begins is centered around either a story or an illustration of some kind. And then it just builds from there. And you still have play as an, an, a really informative part of your education. And so I feel like they, that's almost like kids are very much more practical and much more, you know, it, kids are so much more practical and material, you know, mm-hmm. they're not so much into stargazing and daydreaming they want to do stuff and have these playful experience they want to have something in front of them they can interact with right they're interactive stage versus adults you know you have everything that we create is from our imaginations we just give white guys way too much credit for having money and other shit so speak preach And I mean, I, I guess a lot of it, there is part of the conversation where some people might say, well, you know, these people come from like privileged environments and they don't have to deal with the every, this is, this is the thing about money, right? This is the thing about money and the reason why poor people don't create, but that 
is not even really true in the age of no. Instagram where everybody's creating. Maybe well, that's sometimes what poor people got to be the most creative people. Right. You have exactly. resources. You got to get creative. And we've been right. doing it for years as slaves. What the hell? You know what we have to make put together to feed ourselves? Yes. <laughs> I get it. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. So, I mean, creativity is really the most adult thing. Your imagination is the most adult thing you could probably use most mm. of the time. You know, it's going to, your answers to your questions sort of lie in your imagination. What am I going to do about this? How can I make this happen? What do I want when I get there? You know what I mean? Your imagination is everything. And I think kids are more like, we're, we're supposed to show them how to really have a strong relationship with their imagination. They should be able to ask us, you know, mm-hmm. what about their imagination, their creativity. Absolutely. And I, and I can see how, even though they're not technically in the learning stage, how they're still learning, you know, as they're going along, you know, they, they do something and it, and it, you know, it maybe hurts their finger or something and they don't do it again. You know, little things like that. Like, even though they're at play, they're still, you know, you're still constantly learning. Um, you know, whether it's that structured uh, multiplications or something like that, or, you know, just going through life and figuring it out. Sure. Yeah. It's a fact. So our imagination and our creativity are definitely like the symbiotic relationship. But I think our imagination is so important because it doesn't attach. It's not as attached to something being at the end of it. Your imagination is not so much attached to outcome as much as your creativity is, right? Because creativity is like the building blocks of of creating, right? Getting down to it and making the thing, whatever it is. But the beautiful thing about imagination in 2021 is like, you know, um, even cryptocurrency is a great example. Like, we're going to make this make, it's almost like imagination is the adult part of make this make sense, you know, because mm. you can, can, it's, it's, and it's right at the border of being, of being able to conceptualize real concepts, mm. right? So you have the real, and then there's the imagined, and then there's the, what's created, and that's fucking awesome. That drives me wild. That's getting me so okay. excited. Okay, I, I might go off on a little tangent real quick. Just quick thoughts on this whole idea of us being in a simulation. And I don't know if that throws this whole topic off, but I was watching um, watching this interview Elon Musk did, and he talks about how 40 years ago, we were playing a game, for example, called ping pong, where it was two cubes. And you have to be in the same room with the person you were playing with. And fast forward 40 years later, we have like crazy VR headsets that is just the technology from A to Z has just skyrocketed like a thousand. And so that's his premise of thinking that we're in a simulation, which I think is still plays into the creativity and imagination of, of a lot of things. I'm sorry if that makes to- totally no sense right now, but um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. No, thank you for sharing that. Um, I feel like I don't know anything about that. I mean, a simulation, <laughs> a simulation just suggests that you're in something that's already made for you to have like a certain kind of experience mm-hmm. into me, right? Yeah. So it's cool or whatever, but I try to stay away from I try to keep language as simple <laughs> as possible. <laughs> so a simulation is cool, but it's kind of like at some point you're do you have any influence on your experience? Because a simulation to me says, no, not really. You're just pretending like you have influence over it, which is fine. But then you're getting real esoteric. And then you like got to take- I believe in manifestation. I think that's where that side of it comes in. I mean, I think it's the same as your imagination and your creativity. I think they're no different. Mm. It's like, you know, I think there are Mm. things you can't, I think the, I think what is created is so complex that we can't take the momentum out of it. So yes. 
Absolutely. You know, the things our body does, the things our body's able, yeah, we have a certain level of awareness, but there's a certain level where all we can do is say, I'm healthy, I'm whole, all of my cells in my body are happy. Like, everything is working in sync. Yeah. Yeah. On some level, it's not practical. I mean, but, but then again, we're talking as in, when we take a step back from identity, that's not true at all. Because Mm -hmm. when you look at what a lot of our ancestral paths have been, when you look at like the East, for example, their conversation, their influence, their impact on the whole world is really about if you shut up and like sit down and listen to what, to the motherfucking simulation, bro, I don't know. If you you tune out of the simulation and to into the simulated, you must be a part of this. You must be, you must, you are, you too must be a simulation of, you know, supreme energy. Like, yeah. So Mm -hmm. if you tune into that, then you can listen to the cells of your body, talk to each other and determine what you need to do to be an optimal health. You know what I mean? Like this guy (laughs) no limit to the to the creativity or the imagination or the manifestation you know which is sort of like a buzzword um so it's kind of like funny but real (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean I'm a little bit of a sarc I get a little sarcastic so buzzwords are something that I would find an opportunity to be sarcastic but I'm also (laughs) working on my sense of humor so I will revisit this All right, that's what's up. But when you talk, you're talking about um, cells and everything, it reminded me of um, something I watched where this guy went through um, sensory deprivation and pretty much cut off like all sound and sight until he was just, it was just him in a room, you know, with no, no sound. And eventually your mind starts to play tricks on you and do certain things. And he had the kind of this out of body experience um, where he did feel like he could literally. <laughs> hear and feel his cells talking to each other and then you know he just went on his whole creative journey after that um, yeah. I'm definitely interested in trying that shit but yeah there's I think there is like this the what yeah I've heard of something similar <laughs> but for it. but what I want what I think I want to highlight is that the imagination is so individual mm. that like it is so, it's so much an integral part of, of who we are, right? Like your imagination, your imagination is just always active. It's always there. It's like your little, it's, it's a part of you. You can't just have logic. You have to either go beyond, you have to go beyond logic, but beyond going and, and imagination is almost like a bridge between logic and between the things that don't make no damn sense, you know? Hmm. Uh, But then like, for example, the guy in the sensory deprivation thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it is. A, I don't have nothing. I have no words because it is kind of like a surrender. You go in there and you don't know what to expect. But there's the story you told yourself about it before you got there. That's really going to determine, you know, how you feel when you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's also about present beingness and just mindfulness. Like if you're in a sensory deprivation tank, what you expect? Sit down and be quiet. It's nothing to do, bro. Like. <laughs> What? your senses are deprived of all simulation just you're in a you're in forced meditation so good Basically. luck I don't like to force myself into meditation so then the next thing about our relationship with our creativity so creativity is a part of that is the embodiment of what an imagination is and we can we can talk just about imagination mm-hmm. but beyond the imagination then we have authenticity. And I really think your imagination comes first because everybody's imagination is different. We all in, we all sort of interact with the same things every day, but the reality is no two people experience the same thing every day. No two people see the same things every day. No two people kind of consume the same things every day. So mm-hmm. we're all by default having this individual experience and uh and and then just to touch back on on the simulation thing that that's part of the story of like we're not we're we're actually all one big energy and anything else is sort of like an illusion that we are separating ourselves from either created or destroyed (laughs) right right but there is a reason also why we're each individual 
Mm. You know, there's always, a, there's, if, there, if there's one, then there's the other. If we're all one, then we are all separate. <laughs> yeah, we each have that unique, uniqueness about us. No two of us are alike, for sure. Yeah, no two of us are alike, and no two of us are having the same experience. And I think that the hallmark of people who are um, having a unique experience is that in that when you tune into your imagination, you know, tell yourself a story. Maybe you, maybe you, and maybe your imagination is really just about living within this realm of like your preferences and telling yourself a story about your preferences. Even if you wake up and you're like, this is the best day I ever had. I'm having the best day ever. Yeah. There's Uh a small thin line between you just saying that and you living that, you know, it's all, it's all up to you. Mm-hmm. But authenticity is like, well, this is what I think. And this is how I'm going to move through the world with this belief. You know, like, I think a great example is in per- personal mythos and mythology. The stories about yourself, where you're from, the experiences you've had, the people you've met, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, the things you've seen, mm-hmm. those are all personal personal stories, a personal mythos. And I think that the the great, and I'm going to have, I'm going to share an exercise, an exercise to start to cultivate um, a greater, greater uh, personal, authentic creativity and imagination. I have an exercise for that. Okay. Um, And maybe that's my paper and pen. No, but okay. So when you think, I think your authenticity adds color to your imagination. Your authenticity is like, well, you know, if if we all sat down and closed our eyes and was like, everybody think of um, a square, okay? You think mm-hmm. of a square, cool. But then it's like everybody make your square a color. Well, then here we go. We're using our imagination. Mm-hmm. And then our preferences are guiding us to an authentic choice mm. because the square is unifying, but then we have choose a color. You might choose one color. I might, I'm going to choose another one. Mm-hmm. What are the chances that we choose the same one? Serendipity. I don't know, but I'm going to choose based on my preferences and what I like. If I got to make a square, it's going to be the most beautiful square that's ever been created. <laughs> I need a tie-dye square, right? And I'm like, I need a tie-dye. Make Ah! a tie-dye, okay? I was exactly, right? Exactly, yes. So so that I think, and and I know that's a very small example, but I think it's very profound in, in really what it means to use your imagination. You know, we're not all just staring at a square every day. We use our imagination more than we want. Even when we think about what another great example, I think, or relatable is when you're going to order your food somewhere Mm -hmm. in your mind, in your senses, memory, wherever you're, whatever you use to engage your creativity and your imagination. You think about what that food gonna taste like. You think Ooh, about yeah. what it's gonna hit like. Oh yeah, this gonna be Especially good. Especially no. after I smoke. I think I might need, I think I might need to hit, hit my, my hit, hit my J real okay. quick. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm a before, before smoking eater. Like I like to eat before I smoke. Really? Oh, I like to eat after, but I have to wait like at least 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. I feel like the senses I <laughs> taste different. Like it hits different when the high is just right. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's something about that. But if I do it too soon, then it it doesn't. It's not good. I still have that that aftertaste. Um, so I have to wait maybe like fifteen minutes. But then, like if I eat like late night, like maybe some chocolate chip cookies, or it's like mm, best thing ever. <laughs> That's amazing. Sure. Maybe I should try that. I know everybody says I like the munchies, but then I was like, I'm gonna demystify the munchies, bro. <laughs> No, I didn't. I wasn't even getting the munchies. I was just like, I want this. You know, if I'm about to get ready to go to a restaurant, I'm like, all right, let me take a little puffs before I go get this sushi. And it is hitting. Wow, that sounds luxurious. (laughs) I need to. I need to give it a shot. Yeah, just something small. Um, but even like if we get into shrooms and creativity, have you ever? Than an exercise where you've taken shrooms and attempted to do anything, or do you just kind of chill the fuck out? 
no my i my trips have all been pretty chill yeah it comes to psilocybin and stuff mm-hmm. um one i wasn't yeah I either haven't been in an environment really that lends itself to creating or even a mood for that matter. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I've just, yeah, not been in the right setting, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I admire, I admire my folks who do. (laughs) Maybe on a micro dose. Yeah. Yeah. um, There's a lot of great people too that create, but maybe they, um, a lot of people like to paint paint magic mushrooms and stuff you know hmm. I think if part of it is like this the soothing sort of release of just paint to paper paint on your on your medium or just dealing with your medium paint on your canvas you know what I mean yeah it's very textural it's sensory it's a whole entire experience which is really what psilocybin awakens you up to is like the value in the senses hmm. it's all there it's all there you don't need to go look for it nowhere else. It's all there, you know, hmm. in front of you. And painting is like harnessing the power of magic mushrooms. I will paint. <laughs> I admire them a lot for the paintings. A lot of people share them on Instagram and stuff. You can find yeah, I've, I've gone to a couple puff and paints where they do offer mushrooms. Yeah, they have them here all the time. Um, oh yeah, and they, and they will offer you uh, shrooms. Um, I prefer just to smoke at the time just because I I don't like a lot of interaction when I'm on um, on psilocybin. I just, you know, I like to be very limited and like really control my space. I don't do it when I'm around a lot of people because I feel like I'm acting weird. <laughs> but yeah. people have and, you know, the paintings come out gorgeous. Right. Yes, yes. So... I don't have too many. I don't, I like to, I'm like a more of a present beingness kind of person. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm by myself, then I'm just going to be still and like just be in my, in my vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you don't necessarily need to to take anything or smoke anything or is that what Not you mean? Not necessarily, but I mean, when I, even when I do smoke, I just want to stay still. <laughs> okay. I feel you. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Um, so then, so we have, we have our relationship with our creativity. So the build, building blocks of that relationship, you know, your imagination is, is pretty much the foundation of it. It's gonna, what's going to take what you see and what everyone else sees and making it your own. And then that's when we get to the second stage of that relationship where you're really embodying this sense of authenticity, you know, um, where you can trust what you like, trust your impulses, trust your your desires, you know, and trust that the things you desire are coming from an authentic place because what mm-hmm. you're imagining it's going to be like, what you're imagining yourself to experience is coming from your preferences. It's coming mm-hmm. from, well, my square is purple. So I'm going to move according to my purple square. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that's where those things are leading us to the third step, which are ideas. It's about taking the creativity, all of those etheric sort of abstract things, and then marrying them with what's practical. And the most practical thing from there is organization. You know, being organized will help you to, you're sifting, you're sifting Mm. through your imagination a lot of the times for whatever, for whatever your purpose or your, your, your spiritual duty or whatever. Those are, that's how I look at it. I guess now it's like a pep talk, but your purpose (laughs) or your spiritual duty or your, your, you know, your intentions. The intentions. Okay. Yeah. They're your intentions then marry you marry them with your with the way you organize what you experience when you're exploring your imagination and your creativity so organization could be knowing when it's time to write knowing when it's time to just take out the pen and paper and just put it down you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um because I think a lot of times I mean sometimes too the thing about any entheogen plant medicine is that Sometimes you don't want to do anything that takes your brain and makes you have to do, utilize this 
language basically hmm. because language is stressful <laughs> especially well it can be very stressful especially for indigenous or people of color in general hmm. right like when we we have to the english language is it's a program okay the spanish language is a program portuguese is a program and so if we don't completely agree with our language then sometimes we're better off not using it sometimes we're going to get more of that like just kind of like flow we'll get more in our flow when we just go through it rather than feeling like we have to document everything but the value of documenting is while you're experiencing and feeling you can also you can grab everything you can make that shit like running through a treasure chest <laughs> Yo, I used to keep this running list of ideas. I still got it somewhere and I'll go back through it. Like I just, and it's, it's very interesting. So I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> and they're good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see how documentation can definitely be helpful, especially when sometimes it, even when it comes to journaling, you know, you don't have to be particular about anything. It, it, it was hard for me to journal, uh, for a while because like what am I what am I talking about what do I so I used to just you know get high and just whatever was on my heart just put it pen to paper that's it yeah and and beyond document but but and then so organization includes documenting um you know writing um and really like to tuning into your flow, right? The balance between how you feel and what comes out of how you feel. Mm -hmm. um, but then there are so many other ways, you know, um, like you were saying to document, uh, you can, you know, voice record, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, you can use your notes or whatever on your phone. But yeah, so, but organization is really about also to identifying the way you feel and putting it in, in context when you articulate it, right? Because half of your journey is, I wanna have things and make things and be things, but the other half of it is I am, I already am something. Hmm. So what am I now, you know? Because mm. lately, like for example, lately I've been so hesitant about going out and smoking because I'm like, I am so emotional right now. If I go smoke, I'm going, the first thing I'm gonna do is cry. Mm. or something emotive that I don't expect and mm. I've been emotional over and I don't know if I'm emotional when I'm not high because I want to be high and more <laughs> like oh yeah that's all that is because I've been crying at children's movies and shit and all this stuff and it, Yo, this, go listen to Adele's yeah. album you have me boohooing listen to Adele's new album <laughs> Hell no. Nah. Have me crying. I do not listen to Adele, man. I can't listen. I don't even, I can't listen to British ladies. <laughs> it's a it's a personal thing. I don't know. They fucked us up, man. I can't believe they gave. I mean, it was cool having Anna Wintour, but nobody really, I wish somebody would have stopped and pointed out to me way sooner as an American black girl. Like that's a British lady. That bitch don't live, don't know nothing about your life. She does really? not. Yes, it's different. It's different. You know what I mean? It's so different. She's cultural. She's culturally completely different than you. She's culturally completely different than that white lady too. Like she's culturally completely different, but she's dictating a culture. And that's the weird thing. That's America in general is just weird. And maybe it's because fashion is old. So our colonizers are the British. So maybe the best people we can get the information from is the British. I don't know. But when you look at Chinese Vogue, for example, China's fashion industry is run by the youth. China's fashion industry is run entirely by the youth to the point that their editor-in-chief, I'm not sure if it's a Vogue, is like 15 or 16. Super, super stupid young. Wow. But that's their culture, you know? They know that everything they like is coming from where they at. It's not coming from some British lady telling <laughs> China what the fuck to like. Mm. <laughs> how to feel yeah. about it, you know, which is where I think like aspiration culture is from, aspire to have this, aspire to be this, which is nothing wrong with it, but I'm just saying like, mm -hmm. maybe it would have been different if there was, was an American telling the story. Maybe mm -hmm. it would have been different, you know, if we knew if 
certain people were a little, the Americans that were involved were more prolific, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. people like Andre Leon Talley. I mean, but that's a beautiful thing I think about just people of color in general, women, people who are coming from being the flies, being the fly on the wall, you know, is mm-hmm. that you really get to be with your, be in this more powerful connection with with your with your you have the choice to have a more powerful connection with your creativity and your imagination right to the point where it's like when you when you when it is time to when your lights when when your name when whatever when you realize it's time for you to for that to create that output Mm -hmm. you're you don't gotta you don't gotta get ready if you stay ready you know (laughs) okay okay yeah okay and how do you stay ready? Just exercising that creativity, even though it's, I guess, maybe amplifying it, because if you say that it's you're constantly using it regardless, but I guess being intentional about it. Being intentional, knowing, knowing your preferences, I think is so powerful, knowing what you like, but also then it's like you have a responsibility to understand the relationship of your preferences to others, you know? Hmm. Um, preference readiness in the sense of like I know what I want to be create I know I want to create something I know I want to be something I know I want to do something I know I want to have something and once you have that feeling then it's like I'm what determines that you're ready for it is really what determines the un the un the the un the things you can't buy that are a part of what you're creating. You know, does that make any sense? So is that um, what so that- you have a product, for example, you have a product, but before, and maybe you're, everybody's, oh my God, this is so confusing. Never mind, it's a horrible example because everybody has a completely different process that leads into the point of like going to the market. But yeah. I but mean, it all starts with an idea. It all starts with, with that little seed of um, of an idea that just kind of blossoms. And the desire to create. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to want to create, you know, or you could just watch the thing go by. Yeah. Yeah. You could let somebody else do it, but the desire to create. And you got to think about it. There are things where there are multiple, multiple uh, let's post an example the physical things that are the same technically you can use them the same way but then you have the branding piece of it where it's like yours is different yes there are other well, I'll use mine for example there are other joint holders there are other one hitters but there's only one chillstone which is my authentic piece there are I don't know what microphones, printers in each brand brings their own authenticity to each product. And, you know, whether we choose one brand over the other, sometimes we choose things based off how we identify our personal preference. Um, If that makes sense. (laughs) So what kind of preferences led you to create your chillstone? for me it's like I wanted a piece that was sustainable I wanted when I originally got the idea for the chillstone I I had a pre-roll that had like this little cheap little plastic it literally looked like a mini hookah tip that was on this pre-roll and, but I found myself using it over and over and I'm like, this is cool, but I want something cute and I want something, you know, longer and I want something that, you know, I can wear and just through, you know, prototyping and getting feedback from friends and family, you know, I have what I have today, which is, you know, both your joint holder and your one hitter that you can wear. And it's just to promote, you know, safe consumption or safer consumption so we're not you know sharing germs and that's that was just my preference I still want to share like I still like the camaraderie of 
being at a session, passing around the J and, you know, that, that dynamic of it all, but I don't want your herpes germs and I don't want, you know what I'm saying? With that soggy tip that just came around with no filter, like I'm good. So I think that's where my personal preference comes in. It's just the functionality behind it. Um, Yeah, that's awesome, you know? And it's sort of like that preference allowed the whole thing to be created. Mm -hmm. Wow, I'm starting to think of like my preference in men and how that's all played out. (laughs) Trust myself. Trust yourself. You don't got to trust anybody else on this planet but yourself. Okay. Yeah. 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 That that intuition I'm starting to or I have been, you know, trusting it a lot more instead of doubting it. Intuition is very powerful. It is incredibly powerful. Intuition is like, I don't know, it's everybody doesn't have the same intuition, you know, and everything that I I feel like everything that is a part of your intuition is of the utmost, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody, everything that is like a memory that somebody else gave to you through which I feel like a lot of intuition is right. Like our connections to the un the non-physical world, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. They sort of, there's there's this provision of the best. It's like the best is there. Your your intuition is a treasure chest. Your Mm -hmm. intuition is only leading you to the, the, the highest articulation of who, what you think, the highest articulation of how you feel the truth, you know? Mm -hmm. The most fine, the most fine examples or, or, or instances of knowing, man, your, your intuition is so lit. Really? (laughs) Huh? No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I didn't really understand it until I started reading, um, uh, shout out to the vibe rise. Um, it's called ask your guides and it talks about your team of, I'm not sure how spiritual you are, um, about your team, your angels are, you know, constantly guiding you. And, you know, when you're, if you ask for help, it comes through in your intuition, you know, the choices that you're making for whatever reason on a daily basis. Um, it's coming through via your intuition and you have your team of, of angels, whoever are, who are there trying to keep you on your path. Um, I see angel numbers all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't discount that at all. Even when you feel like you make a mistake, there's a lesson to be learned. True. Absolutely. I love this topic. I love this topic. So we have our imagination of, of, uh, which is our foundation and then our building block of authenticity and followed by that, um, taking that creativity at the top and organizing it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Because organization is so critical, I think, especially in the sense of like using plant medicine and like understanding the bounds uh, of, of your of your mind like everybody's senses are different we're all experiencing with with different levels of fine tuning you know what I mean Hmm. so that's why I love the conversation of cannabis is a psychedelic because psychedelics do alter the sensory or impact the sensory experience that you're having you know and everybody tunes into their senses in a completely different way. We all, we listen to music. We could all listen to the same song at the same time and everybody's going to hear something different. Mm-hmm. Some people focus on the lyrics. Some people are going to focus on the bass line. Some people are going to focus on a hi-hat. Like we're all oh, going to listen to something. That's new. me. I'm the production. I like, if I don't like the beat, I ain't even get into the words. Yeah. I can't resonate with that, with that beat, with that, that high horse or whatever you call it, high kick. That's it. I can't fuck with it. So what would you say your preferences? Where have your preferences uh, led you? 
preferences in anything <laughs> um i don't know like I, how like- do you, I feel like you're a SME. like when i heard you speak on cash color cannabis like you just seem so knowledgeable about this topic and obviously you enjoy it and i feel like maybe your life experiences whatever preferences have led you to being able to speak so deeply into this topic Mm-hmm. Yeah, my preferences have definitely impacted everything. I think what I mean, I don't know, but when I'm sitting here and I'm like trying to think like what are my greatest loves, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I'm like having a hard time finding the words, which is interesting. Greatest, like know? things I, that I, bring you joy in life. That's is that what you mean? Like when you say your loves? No, 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 not so much. I think just I'm really enthusiastic about my preferences. So I think it's almost funny that I like can't articulate them. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, in terms of preferences, like, I mean, with cannabis, for example, I really like. I'm a I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a hybrid girl. I love, okay. fell in love with indicas. I've, I realized indicas make me want to dance. Indicas, indicas like make me feel physical in not the couch lock kind of way, but okay. in a way that gets me really, that's almost energizing. That's I love it. Interesting. So yeah. it hits your endocannabinoid system a little bit different than others. And you that's know, very unique because I've never heard that. No, but I I've never, no. Experience. It's a relationship, you know, cannabis, right. there's so much to choose from, to be uh-huh. honest. Like, I'm not a cookie, sherbet, all that, cookies, biscuits, <laughs> muffins, <laughs> those strains are not my base. Like, we don't really bang hard, but I like, okay. like classics, like Gorilla Glue. Mm. Um, I don't like, I realize I don't like, like, pineapples. Pineapple Express is a no for me. But, okay. Um, like, send me like an OG Kush or. I like, I like, I like like Gorilla Glue and there's another one that I just thought of and forgot. Fuck, man, I don't know why that keeps happening. Not my preference. I don't like that. I like anything purple, lavender, really, and iridescent. Um, <laughs> yeah. And my new preference is strains that are identified. There's this brand um, locally and the strains are identified by their terpenes. So it's really, really lit because then you can choose based on terpenes and it gets more specific, you know, and it gets more personalized. And then you're having like this bespoke cannabis experience because you're looking at the terpenes and how they impact you know their function the actual function of the terpene Mm -hmm. um, which is so freaking awesome um so that's that's definitely a new favorite thing but I love textures I love velvet I love stone I like getting granny I like granular things you know stone Mm -hmm. and and rocks and stuff you collect minerals um I'm starting to I want to get a case <laughs> a nice little display case in my dining room mm-hmm. to put some to put the stones that I do have and to put a place so I can that I can aspire to fill with things <laughs> um I like I know my male my preferences about men are probably more clear than anything to me though <laughs> mine are not nobody I've ever dated have anything in common common besides it's not about a common though it's not about common it's about very men are generic (laughs) men are generic they are not that specific they're not all freaking bedazzled and jeweled up like women like women you better know your preferences Mm. so whether she she got glitter on her big toes whether she's my (laughs) type or not But men are like, if I had to pick men by like one physical attribute, I'd be like men with ponytails. <laughs> really? Yes. Like a high bun? <laughs> Maybe a high bun, you know what I'm saying? But I like workaholics. I like men who like to work. I like men who are just like, I don't know. There's something about that. Like if you're going to be emotionally unavailable, 
let it be because you're working because you fucking love what you do for a living you know find your purpose and your passion in work I like that a lot you know that is very attractive for sure I like older men that's something in common I prefer older (laughs) way older maybe about way older are you like Eris Latham he's about the oldest fine man I can think of Eris Latham oh mm -mm. you gotta go look him up on Instagram right now okay where's my phone at if your phone is near, I don't want you working too hard. Nope. Let me look up. Is he just an actor? No, you just got to look him up now. Now I'm not saying anything. That er- Eric? Eric, say A-R-I-S. Okay. Latham, L-A-T-H-A-M. Look, he came up real quick when as soon as I put an L. Yeah. Oh, who is this? I don't know, but he's old and he's he's not old. He's aged. And he's fine. He's not even, age is not even an appropriate word for this man. He's, he's so cool, man. I don't have words. Is he like I vegan? He's like a big, he's not even, he's big, he's a big plant-based. Ethical raw food cuisine. Okay. All right. Yeah. Raw food. Oh my God. And he's just like a hottie. Like, look at him. So oh, hot. wow. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not quite this old. <laughs> Okay, that's what that was my question though. Oh wow. no, no, like 45. He's gotta be at least 55, maybe 60. Okay, I feel that. You no, know, he's very handsome. And yeah. he looks like he takes care of himself. Yeah, I think that's why Addis is attractive, right? Like that is super attractive. He, he takes the highest care of himself. Look know? at him with his being two nuts. Okay, I see you. He'd be having a ponytail. I told you he's a man with a ponytail. He fits the category. Yeah. That's dope. I love it. <laughs> no, I think that that is attractive in a man, you know, being able to take care of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Because they're, and I think the two are becoming more simultaneous, but I think a lot of, you can make a lot of money and treat yourself like shit, you know? Mm. Or you can be very successful and have no sense of self-worth, you know, and be sloppy. Men, men get away with that. More than oh, heck do. yeah. Heck yeah. Because yeah. when you don't take care of yourself, what does that say about you? <clears throat> Gotta slow down. But yeah, so so that's that's the thing. That's that's the that's the thing. Your that's imagination is limitless, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the exercise, what was just quickly the exercise that you you use to I don't know if this is to strengthen your imagination or to play just around to connect with, it. with your imagination just to connect with it okay but really it's really connecting with your with your personal mythos your personal story you know um but really it's about building out a fantasy building out the fantasy of your world by connecting with connecting the real with the imagined so okay. say for example there is a and I think we do this all the time. This is a requirement though. If you're really, at first, let me, I'm gonna give you a tip. If you really wanna go next level with your imagination and your creativity, then you have to get, take a step back from everything you've ever known or believed about what those things actually are. Mm. And look at, you have to, you have to give up your memory. You have to give up your attachment to memory. Let me put it like that. Ooh, what about that unconscious bias? Ooh. What do you mean? Uh, I feel like, so the only reason I bring this up is because we had to take a course at work about unconscious bias and how it's kind of built in our DNA, whether it's through social media, whether it's through our experiences. Um, we They're just part of us. Um for example, they gave us an example where if you're walking down the street and you see a group of Black men, um, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Like what, like subconsciously, you're already formulating an opinion about this situation, about these men based off of things that we've just picked up over the years. And we do that with work. We do that constantly. We're constantly um, have these uh, unconscious biases within ourselves that we sometimes need to check and that give way to our experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that. It's really important. 
I've, you know, it could be something as simple as so a man, an Asian man with glasses. Mm-hmm. And you might think, oh, he's good at math. <laughs> I'm going to choose him because X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I mean, I grew up thinking all Asian people do math really good. Right. right? These are just the idea- stories that you start to believe mm-hmm. and then you just apply them by default, whether it's no matter who it's about. You know what I mean? The story's about yourself. You play, but the thing about the story about yourself is you play the roles out. You live that, whatever you think about yourself versus what you think about others. Um, You know, but that's the important thing about being in the present and really like identifying what's really in front of you. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, the exercise first, take everything you know about memory and your memory, consider your memory to be um, a part of your imagination. Let that sink into the ocean of your imagination because the thing about it is our memories are in some, and in, in, in there, are, there are others who teach, teach this or share this and the work that they do. Um, and I've experimented with the idea over the past few years, maybe five or six years, and just found it to be ridiculously true. Um, but just the idea that your memory requires you to use your imagination. Your, your memory is an imagination. If you're not in the moment, you're imagining it. Yeah. Right now, it's a part of your imagination. It doesn't matter if you remember every single last detail of everything. It's still... Some part of it is not happening. It's still happening in your imagination. You're creating the scene scenario moment in your mind with your imagination, which mm-hmm. is, and, and I just want to slow down because I, I'm getting really excited, but <clears throat> which is what really connects imagination and memory to our emotions. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times we're trying to put our emotions in context, whether we realize it or not sometimes, mm-hmm. but when we are able to sort of do that, then we can put things like anxiety in its place. Mm. Um, you know, because part of anxiety is I'm thinking about something that's not happening right now. Mm. I'm that's what makes it anxiety. Like I'm panicking now, but there's nothing panicky really happening in my in my physical in my experience right now. Okay, it's yeah, that makes really sense. In the, in the, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's projecting, projecting this negative outcome or thinking about the past or projecting something that hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. So looking at it like that and just um, trusting that the imagination and the memory, once you, okay, so with the exercise, first you sort of release that, release attachment to the memory. It's the attachment to the memory that is, that will hold you back. And then once you release your attachment to the memory, then um, you can start to create your story. You can start to really build the bones or at least find the bones. You can maybe you're finding everybody's on a different journey. So some of us are finding the bones of a story that we came to rediscover. Some people are here, you know, creating bones of a new story. Mm -hmm. And um, part of that is lies in being able to go and take a part of your life and then expand on it in a way that is does not require your memory. For example, you can you can you and you can use anything as your medium. Maybe you like maybe you like pop culture or maybe you like film or something like that. And you can sort of start to find ideas there, even though it's, it technically comes from someone else's imagination, which I remind myself of all the time. This is someone else's imagination that I'm like completely participating in. Thank you for sharing. But I like my own imagination more, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but take a look at your removing the memory. And then so once you start to look at your self and life ex- experience and, and you're looking at this personal mythos, where do you feel like you and your preferences fit you know what I mean what what stories feel parallel or relevant to your story 
and just take it for what it is like yeah just take it for what it is like these are these are the there are answers at the end of each of those questions you know Mm-hmm. The way you feel about winter will impact the way you feel about where you come from, the way you feel about what you're creating. If, you know, if you have children or if you have a family, if you love winter, then how does that become a part of the way you live? And all sprinkled throughout there then is desire and you get ideas. You naturally just get ideas when you think about the things that you like in that way. But you have to remove your you have to remove your memory because your memory is automatically going to take you back to some moment or some attachment that you have and releasing that attachment and releasing your attachment to the memory of that thing then takes you to the next space where you can imagine almost like your your preferences in a snow globe and give it meaning. And every now and then you take that off the shelf and you shake the snow globe and you remember that I love this idea. I love this this thing that came from my own mind. Mm. I love winter. So, you know, and then there, there are so many stories to connect with. That's why I think stories are so important mm-hmm. because they do connect us with like, who we are and where we are. Yes, that makes sense. But then you start to create your own personal story, Uh, but you have to be willing to let go of your imagination and you have to be willing to like, almost like lie. It's almost like you gotta be willing to lie about something. (laughs) (laughs) There's something in your reality that does not agree with your imagination. Hmm. But you just bridge it to like, for example, Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix used to, um, Jimi Hendrix, I was watching this documentary and Jimi Hendrix was like, yeah, like, this is like, you know, man, like electric church. That's what he called it. <laughs> and I think that is a great example of like, they're using all their imagination to create the music. Right. And then they take this thing they've created and then put it in a context. And, and then, then this is maybe where like branding lives and shit, but yeah, that is rad. <laughs> that is it. awesome. But that's the exercise. Okay. So just take your memory and, and, and I look at, look at your memory as, as a part of your imagination and you'll really start to unlock new, new levels of your preferences and, and your creativity. Awesome. I love that. And I was taking notes. So it's a lot to unpack. Well, I love this topic. Um, I think it plays a valid role in, in all of our lives. Um, and whether we want to realize it or not, um, we're all unique. We all have uh, this authenticity, authenticity, this authenticity within us um, that plays the key role in in our imagination and our creativity. So, <sighs> thank you. Of yeah, course. This is dope. This is dope. Who said Puff Puff Pass was canceled? Listen. I know being a stoner in 2020 has been interesting to say the least with this pandemic, but the Chillstone by JTT Accessories is here to help. The Chillstone is a premium hand-blown glass joint holder and one hitter too. It's reusable, easy to clean, hypoallergenic, and a natural filter, but most importantly, it's sanitary. Simply insert your joint for a snug fit and enjoy. It fits standard cigarettes, joints, blunts, with or without filters. Get yourself a chillstone today at jttip.com or check them out on Instagram at JTT Accessories. In 2020, let's pass joints, not germs, with the chillstone.
Thank you so much for joining me this week. I'm beyond grateful for the opportunity to share these inspirational stories with you. If you are enjoying the podcast, please support, like, subscribe, and leave a review. Let me know your thoughts. Also share it with anyone you think could use a dose of inspiration. Last but not least, please follow me on social media. You can find me at high on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Stay high, stay creative, people. The Last Prisoner Project is a and artists dedicated to bringing restorative justice to the cannabis industry. We here at Hideas wholeheartedly support their values and believe that anyone profiting from the legal cannabis industry has a moral imperative to work towards restorative justice. No one, I repeat, no one should be in jail suffering from the war on drugs, which disproportionately impacts communities of color. Want to get involved? Here are some ways. Follow them on social media, subscribe to their newsletter, volunteer, donate, or join the letter writing program. Please find links to their page in the show notes.